Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to On Point. This episode is back again with Kyle Camp from V2P Nutrition, going over our second episode, kind of just covering everything that we didn't have time to cover in the first part. The part two is more into the actual dieting and nutrition part and breaking down all the terms and, and what really is important when you're looking at food. You know, what's a carb versus a calorie? What's an important, you know, mac micro versus macro? All that stuff that you keep hearing people talk about, tracking all that stuff. But what really matters, what really makes the difference, and what do you really need to focus on? And that way you can spend all your energy doing the things that are actually going to make the biggest difference for you. And Kyle does a great job of taking a lot of my questions that, honestly, I, I, I had no idea how much I didn't know until talking to Kyle. And I knew I had a lot to learn, but um, after having him unpack a lot of my questions, it's great to have a guy on here that can just give you the facts and that has actually gone to school, who who talks the talk, walks the walk, and just has a great message along with it. That's just a win for everybody. So outside of that, guys, appreciate you for listening. If you haven't yet, be sure to leave a review. Those do help. Uh, somehow in the algorithm world, uh, those do help the podcast. Um, that's an easy way to non-monetarily help the podcast. If you guys want to, and I've been really horrible at reminding people about this, but we do have a Patreon, uh, Patreon account. If you guys want to become a patron member, um, you know, anybody's request is taken very seriously. But the guys that are paying to listen to the show voluntarily, if you have a request or a question, I am Johnny on the spot. I will get back to you ASAP. And I will get requests at the highest priority possible to get them either the guest on the show, the questions answered, and uh, whatever you want to do. Completely voluntary. I don't ever plan on charging for any episode. But if you would like to give the podcast help out with buying new equipment, um, products for reviews, uh, lenses, cameras, whatever, to help create more content, um, you can go to Patreon. Um, dot com slash on point podcast uh, and you can give there and uh, I'll throw the link up in the description if you guys are interested in that but um, yeah outside of that I've been really horrible <laughs> reminding people about that and I feel bad for the guys that are giving because I'm not trying to add to that pool but um, outside of that I appreciate you guys for listening and of course I will see you on the next one bye well Welcome back, man. Thanks for coming back onto the show. My pleasure, man. I appreciate part, you having me back. Yeah, part two. Well, I I know that I got a few um, good comments about it, and people were like, "Hey, I you know I appreciate you for having that on. It was really good timing." A lot of guys said that you know good timing kind of thing, and and um, I and for me personally, great timing because I'm trying to figure out what how to get the biggest bang for my buck, right? When I'm working out, going to the gym, making cutbacks or sacrifices in the diet area and not even knowing if they're going to work it's definitely nice to have a dietitian on and a nutritionist and 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 somebody that actually knows what they're talking about so um i appreciate you for coming back on i know you're super busy and um did you get any uh good feedback or anything you're from from the podcast or yeah it was awesome man a, a lot of the folks who subscribe to your podcast had either reached out or followed me or whatever and sent right a on. message and everybody super kind in their compliments on um us which of course i i mean i i think the interviewer makes a good interview so kudos to you on that oh. and um yeah just like you were saying good timing different you know it seems like everybody's got a little piece of the puzzle that varies a little bit and what they sort of said they needed help with or what helped them so 
yeah, awesome feedback. So again, appreciate having me on for the first time, the second time now. So I probably owe you a dinner or something at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just have to open you up a branch on the podcast, be uh, the VTP OP edition. <laughs> but um, I'll take but- it. It's, it's, yeah, it's awesome to have you on and you're the only, like, you're like probably one of the nicest guys I've ever talked to you. Just so people know why I'm saying that is because you're the only guest that has gone out of their way to actually send me like a thank you card, handwritten and, uh, a shirt. Like that was so, I'm like, dude, you don't have to do that. And you're like, you did it anyways, but, um, thank you for the shirt. And that, that is my new workout shirt. So, um, you're like, seriously, like one of the nicest guys I've ever met. So. I appreciate that. That's kind of you to say, and I hope that you uh, destroy that shirt in your efforts, man. I know you've been working your tail off. So, well, um, just so not to talk about myself, but the kind of in order to to give the audience an idea of where I'm at and what I've implemented that you've taught me is I have uh, cut back way on the pizza. I have done portion control. I might have outdone myself probably twice since you and I talked, where I had like. Every piece of pizza I saw, a uh, piece of pizza, like I could eat a large by myself. But um, so there's probably twice where I, I kind of got out of control with the pizza. Um, and portion control has been a big thing. I've been eating a lot more salads, but I put, you know, the salad dressing and the croutons on there and all the crap that you probably shouldn't. Um, and I've been, I cut out my soda yesterday. I decided I'm done with it. I'm just done with it. And I'll go over that later. Um, and I put on a lot of muscle mass, upper body, and I, my wife has noticed, like, uh, she calls it my rib section. Um, my ribs show a little bit more and my, apparently my boobs aren't as pointy, uh, which was one of her compliments. <laughs> so, uh, so that's where I'm at and I'm down. Um, I don't know where I was at weight wise when I talked to you last time, but I'm down to about 178 now. Um, and I, I don't know where I was at last time. I think I was probably 180, 182, 181. So, no, great, man. So, you going back to the uh, going back to the couple of times you went out on pizza. Like, <laughs> I think that that's all right, right? Like, we look for totally. We look at the forest as apart from the trees. It's what ma- the totality of it is what matters. It's not these random events where we happen to have a little bit more. It's, you know, it's it's the dose that makes the poison and how frequent the dose is, right? So. Mm-hmm. There's definitely flexibility in there. You, you certainly don't have to commit to a life of salads. There's room for croutons. There's room for pizza. And all of these things come on to our wives making comments like your boobs look smaller. So <laughs> <laughs> congratulations to you. I think yeah. that that's sort of evidence of your success. And, yeah. You know, our, our sweet wives, of course, always mean good, but sometimes the phrasing is a bit, a bit of a miss, but yeah, well, a compliment's a compliment nonetheless, right? Yeah. If you met my wife, it would totally make sense. <clears throat> you know, I'm like, first of all, babe, uh, they're not boobs, they're pecs. And uh, second of all, uh, thank you. <laughs> you know, like I'll take it. It's a compliment. I guess my, my boobs aren't as cone shaped as they once were, but she's when, when I, I understand what she's saying. Cause like around, like I am always able to build the part, the chest part closest to the armpit. Like that seems mm-hmm. to always get bigger the quickest. I don't know if that's normal or not, but, um, whatever I do, I have a really hard time getting the, the middle of the chest, uh, built up and it's always the outside. So if anybody, if you have a suggestion for that, or if anybody else listening to this has a workout or something for that, let me know. But, um, yeah, it's it's been a struggle. There's there's been um, cutbacks at the gym, more restrictions, 
And I'll put it with the last week I've been going to the gym. I have literally had to kick myself out of the door. Like I have not wanted. I finally reached that reached that point where the excitement level of working out's gone, and now it's like the grind part of it. And so, um, you know, the honeymoon phase is over, and and the work is is you know ensuing. But um, I've definitely got more questions now than our last podcast. And I know that you had a few people um, reach out to you with questions once you posted that. And I'm happy to address those because those are great questions, but they're also in line with where I was wanting to take the podcast anyways. So um, is there any areas that you wanted to hit before we get going here? No, no. Fire away. Let's, let's right. do it. Let's well, give the folks what they want. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to puke on you here real quick then. So what's the – what? okay, micros, macros, and all that stuff, I completely do not understand it. And I know that people track it when they do keto. I know that people track them for whatever reason, but I seriously, I don't know why. And I don't know how to implement that into, how do I use it? So can you break that down for me? Yeah. So I think, I think a good way to start that is by clarifying, do you need to, before you really identify what they are, right? So it really depends on a person's goals, how specific they are, how general they are. If the goals are general, you can get away with more generalities, meaning you don't necessarily need to track any of those those numbers. If the goals are more specific, then more specificity is required. So tracking those goals could be a little more important. And an example of that would be a guy saying, ah, you know, I'm just interested in losing weight. Compared to, and that, that's a more general thing, compared to a guy who's got a more specific goal of, well, I'm interested in losing weight, but I'm also interested in changing my body composition by reducing my body fat by X percent or getting to X weight or whatever. If you've got those really specific goals, you do have to have more specificity in, in measuring those things because body composition is largely driven by what your macro intake looks like. So macros, macro is, is a term meaning big, large, micro, of course, small or, or less than. So macros, there are three of them. These are nutrients that we need in large quantities and we measure them in grams. That's the carbohydrates, the proteins and the fat. Micros are nutrients that we need in lesser amount. We generally measure those in micrograms or milligrams so smaller amounts and those would be more things like your vitamins and your minerals the purpose of tracking the macros performance nutrition is going to be driven by the macros the composition of your intake that's dedicated to carbs proteins and fats each of those have a specific role in human physiology and in human or sports or training performance so if it's not dosed well, meaning if what the type, the type of activity that you're trying to do, there's not the certain ratio broken up between those, it's possible that you don't see what you're really capable of in terms of human performance or, in term, or even in terms of backcountry hunting, right? It's possible you're not able to see how long you can go, how far you can go, how, you know, day after day, how many days can you last? On the micro <clears throat> side of things, those those tend to get less tracked. And the reality is, is you don't need to track them as closely if you're getting a variety of foods, right? So there's a host of different vitamins. There's a host of different uh, minerals 
and varying amounts and different amounts of food, all of them playing different roles in the body. And if you're getting a mix of foods, it's pretty likely you're tapping into those and getting an adequate amount. So that in a, a nutshell is kind of the difference between the terminology of micro and macro and who might be more interested in focusing on that and who maybe would be less so. Now, is it possible to, let's say, lose weight without tracking macros? Yeah, ab absolutely. That, that's possible. But again, we have to anticipate pretty general expectations. We have to anticipate pretty general results if we're not going to be tracking some of the more detail-oriented stuff. So there's, because um, my wife does keto, and she's currently back on keto. I think she's she started keto last late last week or this week. And um, I know that there's like on certain apples, there's like 20 something carbs in an apple. It's like crazy. Like you wouldn't think an apple would have a bunch of carbs. Um, let's just call it 20. Is that, that has to be a different carb than like what's in a penne, right? Or is, there, or is that the exact same carb or like, is there a difference? Because I feel lethargic when I eat a bunch of pasta. I don't feel lethargic when I eat uh, an apple or two apples or whatever. Yeah. So that's a good question. There's a, and we could go any number of directions here <laughs> and I'm sure I'm going to get hate mail based off of this, but you're welcome. Stick with me. <laughs> yeah. 20 grams of carbs at the end of the day is 20 grams of carbs period. Right. So when we yeah. look at metabolism on a piece of paper and how it happens in the different phases of metabolism, we see that any carbohydrate broken down has to be broken into its smallest form to be absorbed in the small intestine. So it has to be in a very small molecule. Uh, it's one that we call glucose. It's a, it's a term that a lot of people are familiar with. So whether we're looking at an apple or whether we're looking at penne or whether we're looking at anything, it, it gets broken down into glucose, shuttled through the metabolism and yielded as energy, regardless of what it is. That's an unpopular, but true reality of it. Now, <clears throat> you, when you look at fruit compared to penne, you're starting to get into more of the differences become a little more nuanced and it's nuanced at a sciencey type level. And in, in, in basic terms, penne is a very, very long rope of carbohydrates, whereas an apple would be like one small strand of that rope. So the metabolism of the apple may happen a bit quicker than what does with the penne, if that makes sense, because the, the penne is broken off each strand at a time as it's broken down, whereas the apple is metabolized almost immediately after you eat it. Not necessarily immediately, but much quicker. If that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And so right. when your body's breaking it down, the, the penne, that's kind of like that lethargic bloated feeling that you get or what is, what's, what's going on there? Well, then, then you're looking at another, th you're, you're talking about a number of different variables that can affect that. So for example, the presence of protein, fat, carbohydrate, and fiber in a meal, those four things that slows the trigger that releases food from the stomach into the small intestine. The more that those four things are present, the slower that that happens, which means the longer the food's going to sit with you. Now, if, if something you've eaten doesn't sit well with you, then that could be causing the bloating, right? There are a number of different things that we're talking about. If you eat the pasta by itself with no fiber, 
no fat, no protein, it's going to be metabolized much quicker than had you had it. So for an example, if you just sit down to a big bowl of pasta, that's going to be metabolized very quickly, as opposed to if you sit down with a smaller bowl of pasta that has grilled chicken, protein, a little bit of olive oil, fat, and a couple pieces of broccoli in it, fiber, that's going to be broken down much slower, give you a more steady energy release over a longer period of time, as opposed to just pasta, which gets metabolized very, very quickly. So there's a lot of variables that exist there. But going back to the original question, 20 grams of carbs is 20 grams of carbs is 20 grams of carbs, which means if you had 20 grams of an apple, you could also substitute that for 20 grams of pasta. And if we're talking about weight loss specifically, that's much less pasta than takes up the volume of the apple, right? But from a calorie standpoint, we can anticipate weight loss in either instance because ca uh, carbohydrates carry four calories per gram of carb. So whether it's an apple or pasta, you're looking at about 80 calories of carbohydrate, no matter what label you attach to it. And that's why you can see people with food recalls or food audit forms with Oreos in the diet, but they're shedding weight like crazy because the calories are controlled, right? And it's because of that, that we know the foundation of any weight loss plan has to be controlled calories, regardless of what the macro composition is. All right. right. Once you control the calories, then you can start manipulating the macros and some of the more nuanced stuff. I got a super um, softball size question for you. What is the difference between a calorie and a carb? Good question. So calorie is an energy measurement that we use. It would be like saying, what's the temperature? It's 65 degrees. What's uh, What type of mileage does your car get? It gets 16 miles per gallon. A calorie is essentially how much heat it takes to heat up a certain amount of water in a period of time. And we've measured that in fancy instruments called bomb calorimetry, hmm. right? And so we've got this whole database that we know exists based on different types of foods and how many calories it exerts. All of our calories come from four places, either carbohydrate, protein, fat, or alcohol. So the carbs contain the calories, but all calories may not have any carbs in them. It could come from fat. It could come from protein. It could come from alcohol. So any of, uh, any of those four that are there will contain some kind of calorie. So when you do your deficit um, workout diet, you're focused on the calories or – the car, like, or is it dependent, like you said, on the person's goal? Cause I'm the, I'm the second person in that. I want to be a certain body composition, yeah. right? Yeah. So you are, you could have a beautiful macro split, right? Which is nerd term of saying you could have this perfect percentage allocation to carbs, proteins, and fats to change your body composition. But if you, if that, if that is at a surplus, if that intake is still too high, you will not shed a single pound. Now, if we flip that, and this is something we've seen both in studies as well as observationally in the work that I've done in, in, in my work, if you control the calories and have a decent macro split, the weight comes off like it's no one's business. The foundation of the plan has to first be that the calories are controlled 
then you can start to manipulate the macros a little bit, right? So a prerequisite for changing that body composition is you need to have an adequate amount of protein in the diet to retain the muscle mass while you are in a deficit. So that leads me into another, and thank you. That's a great answer, by the way. That makes sense. Um, that leads me into another area is I've always heard as a general rule of thumb, um, you want to consume approximately your body weight in grams, I believe, in protein if you're trying to bulk. Is there any truth mm -hmm. to that or is any – is that just what, – what's going on there? No. So it, <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> it depends, right? So that, that has historically been the general rule of thumb, but – Protein is not designed to be an energy source, right? The, the primary role of protein in the body is for recovery and growth, not just recovery of your muscle, but growth of your hair, growth of your skin, growth of your nails. If you get cut on your finger, it's going to repair that cut. There, there's a lot of things that protein is responsible for. The objective is to set the protein up to accomplish that goal and nothing more, right? Because if you increase the protein, you also increase the calories, so if the excess protein is putting you at a surplus, well, that might be beautiful on the bodybuilding.com forums, but it's not going to matter at all because you're not going to lose any weight, right? So you, you should target somewhere between roughly 1.7 and 2.0 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight, which is about 0.5 to 0.7 grams per pound of body weight. Now, this is where it gets a little bit tricky because if you've got a guy who's 325 pounds, that's <laughs> 250 plus grams of protein. Yeah. And you're not trying to feed the excess muscle. You're trying to feed the amount that's there. You're trying to preserve what's on board, not the entire body. So we've got calculations to adjust for that and try to get the guy as close as possible to how much protein he needs in a day. So basically be like, 70 ish percent of your body weight should be consumed and protein about based off what you're saying. Oh, I have to run the number, but that's, a, um, that's okay. But, um, if it's a, if it's 0.7 per pound or mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, I graduated in algebra two. Don't let me do the math for you. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, long story short, it sounds like a really, really, really hard seesaw. Cause if you're, you're ingesting the, the protein you're also having to balance the calorie intake and that's not that's just one that's just one area like protein and calorie like you still have to track the other macros which is the fat the uh what, what was the other macros it was the fat the protein the carbohydrates and then there's one more yep uh alcohol alcohol i never knew alcohol yeah. was a macro it's not a macro. It's the only other place we get calories aside from the main three. Oh, right. So, so, so carbs, protein, and fat all offer some sort of a physiological or performance and training benefit. Alcohol does none of that, right? So <laughs> carbohydrates, that's the predominant, that's the predominant, uh, uh, fuel for the body and certain types of exercises. Fats responsible for the transportation of hormones and certain vitamins Proteins responsible for growth and repair. Alcohol just exists. That's it. it offers no physiological or training benefit at all, but is the second most calorically dense thing that we can eat to get calories, right? So it's almost double the amount of calories of carbs and protein per unit of measurement. So alcohol stacks up 
real fast and you start to have to weigh. It's not that it can't fit. It's not that a guy can't have a beer, but you've got to figure out how you're going to budget that in or that beer could easily be the thing that's standing between you and your goals. So um, trying to cheat the system here, I quit drinking beer and I started going to hard A. Um, is there any benefit for me doing that or am I just trying to feel like I'm doing you might ditch some of so the calories will be lower but that's only because there's not as much carbohydrate in hard alcohol as opposed to uh you know a really hoppy dark ipa or stout or something like that right like 16 ounces of that you're looking at 250 300 calories for a single beer of some of those heavier um some of those heavier, oh geez, what are they called? Um, not fancy beers, but Lager. no, it's not a, it's not a certain type, but craft like those, those, yeah, those, those yeah, darker yeah. craft type beers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to hard alcohol, well, typically is a higher alcohol percentage, so you're not getting all of these extra calories in from the carbs used to make the beer, the wine, or whatever. So you're sparing yourself some calories, but from a straight alcohol sense you're not sparing yourself because it goes off <laughs> units of measurement, Yeah, right? It's seven calories per gram of alcohol. So it really is, again, the dose that matters the most. Well, I, I to be honest with you, I haven't hardly drinking much at all lately. And I've been really, I, what happened is I've, I typically, I've always heard that people change when they heard enough, want enough or know enough. And um, I got to the point where I wanted to change my drinking habits from soda because I was drinking like four diet Pepsis w- with dinner. And this is like just a few days ago. And I'm like, and I just felt like I needed more. And I'm like, this is getting ridiculous. Like this is not good. And so that's the exact reason why I quit um, energy drinks is because I had to have an energy drink. Like I just craved it. And I just, I felt like I had to have it in order to operate. And I just feel like I have to have a diet Pepsi in order to enjoy dinner. Like I just hate relying on things like that that are completely yeah. nonsensical that don't, that don't make any, they're not benefiting me. And then I've also heard that soda makes you retain water weight. Is that true? Uh, I mean, if it's a, so if it's a diet soda, no, it's not going to cause you to retain anything. If it's a regular soda, there is a greater for potential for some water retention because regular soda has a high carb intake, right? So there's, 30 to 40 grams of carbohydrate in a single soda for every stored carbohydrate gram that you retain, you retain three to four grams of water. So it's highly possible that there is some water retention when the carbohydrate stores are, are, are restored and you've got a high carb intake, you know, but you've also got built in mechanisms between your kidneys and your lungs that are also regulating a lot of, different processes in your body that'll get rid of any excess that you need too. So there's again, a lot of variables at play there, but you know, I think it is worth knowing for every restored carbohydrate that you have, um, there's going to be a retention of probably three to four grams of water that follow that. So if you get on a scale, if you've been following a super structured diet and you go out with your wife one night for pizza, you get on the scale next day and it's up five pounds. Our brain says, oh my gosh, pizza's the devil. I've gained five pounds of fat. All of my (laughs) efforts are gone. 
No, all you've done is restored the carbohydrate stores known as glycogen, and you've got some water retention. Give it four or five days, it'll come back down to normal and just continue to be incredibly consistent the rest of the time. I've, I've noticed that, and I, I, I always wonder, like, when I go to the gym, one thing that's always in the back of my head is, like, if I measure lower or if I increase, I'm like, well, is that water weight or is that fat? Like, how do I... Because, I don't know, I've always heard that when you wake up is the best time to weigh yourself, but I've never... I don't know. I'm just, what do you know there? So I think it's far better to track trends, right? Single data points don't matter. If you, so if you get on, on Monday and it's one pound down and then you get on on Tuesday and it's two pounds up and then you get down on Wednesday and it's three pounds down and it's just bouncing all over the place. Like anyone's going to be confused, but what is good is to take those single data points and monitor a longer trend. Right. So if we look back to your start date and we were to run an average on that, on what your what your weights were every time you weighed and we were to put that on a on a plot line, we would see a trend that's got little, you know, it's jumping all over the place. But the longer trend shows a trend down. So, yeah, there's little pockets all over the place of it jumping up, down, all around, staying the same, spiking, going back down. But the trend shows a loss. And I've seen far too many people abandon ship prematurely because these things are bouncing all over the place and then yields the idea of, oh my gosh, I just can't do this. See, see, there I did. I tried something and I did, it didn't work. <laughs> no, you just got to be consistent. Right. And you have to have realistic expectations. The weight didn't come on overnight and it's not going to come off overnight. You've got to be really consistent for a long period of time. And I also encourage guys to take measurements of themselves because there will be weeks where the weight does not change at all, but the inches go down. And that is a better representation of a genuine body composition change, meaning you're retaining the muscle, but losing the fat, right? Because there's a huge difference between weight loss and fat loss. We don't care about the latter. The latter is water, it's nutrient stores, it's muscle, it's whether or not you had uh, a lot of salt the night before, there's a number of things that play into the weight. What we care about is genuine fat loss, and that can only be tracked through trends. That's really interesting because I've always wondered, like, I, I like the pinch tests. Um, and I don't know if you have any um, experience with the pinch test, but back when I, um, me and three buddies were working out, we would, um, <laughs> I kind of created the rules to uh, be more fair, I guess, equitable weight loss is what you'd call it. But so I was the smallest guy out of three of us. I had a buddy who was 250, 220s, I don't know, somewhere. He's a big guy, muscular. And then my buddy was a little bit bigger than me. And we were trying to see who could lose the most amount of fat um, every three months. And then whoever won didn't have to buy dinner. Um, whoever got last had to buy dinner for the other two. And um, I won a few of them because I, I lost the biggest percentage um, per body weight, if that makes sense. So me losing two yeah. pounds of fat is way bigger deal than him losing two pounds of fat. Cause he's 40% bigger or 20% bigger than I am. Right. Um, so I guess what would be, or how accurate are the pinch tests? Number one. Um, and what would be your biggest, um, and, and I think you kind of already touched on it. What would be your biggest factor for changing the body composition? And this kind of goes around one of the questions that you had is in a calorie deficit, what macros should we even prioritize? 
Okay, so clarification, the pinch test, you're talking about literally pinching to see if the fat's going down, or are you talking about true skin fold caliper? Caliper with, with, with the, um, so you couldn't work out before you got pinched and, um, there's a few other rules, but yeah, you, um, basically just stand there. He pinches your pinches you here, here and one other spot. And then it gives you body fat percentage and then you'd weigh yourself. So, I mean, is it, it, it's more accurate than some methods. I'm actually not a huge fan at all of the impedance tests where you go into the gym and you hold out your arms like you're driving a race car and yeah. you hold the two metal strips. I'm not a huge fan of those. Caliper is going to be a better estimate than that. And then there's even, you know, better gold standards than than that. So it is accurate, but you know, I think what's what it could be useful for, and even the impedance test can be useful for this is monitoring trends. So maybe you're not truly 16% body fat, but you have seen the fact that your body fat percentage has gone down by using the calipers, right? right? So it may not be specific, but it may be um, useful to track trends with it, if that matters, if that makes sense. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. The second piece of that I think you asked is what's like the biggest factors for body composition changes. Number one, you got to be in a calorie deficit. Number two, you have to make sure that there's adequate protein intake in there. And we are assuming that somebody's exercising, right? Right. I mean, you're going to lose weight if you're in a calorie deficit. Um, but the more dramatic body composition changes are coupled with regular exercise. And we're not talking about people just absolutely crushing themselves. We're just talking about people being consistent with both calorie deficit and exercise. And then probably the third biggest thing is protein needs to be at a certain amount for muscle retention, because if you're in a calorie deficit and you don't have enough carbohydrate, the body will take the protein you've eaten and create a carbohydrate for energy, right? It's very dynamic. So it's almost laughable at this idea of, well, you know, I'm zero carbs. No, you're, if your body needs it, it's going to figure out a way to create it. Mm. You can be sure of that. So again, so calorie deficit, some sort of regular exercise routine, making sure you're getting plenty of protein, the fats and the carbs can be at preference, right? So if you want higher carb, low fat, knock yourself out. If you want lower fat, high carb, knock yourself out. Doesn't matter. You know, those, those two numbers structurally aren't as big of a deal. Now, conversation I have a lot with the clients I work with is you can dose the fat and the carbs where you want, meaning if you want more carbs than you do fat, that's fine, or vice versa, as long as physiology and performance aren't suffering. If those are suffering, then we've got to make some adjustments simply so you can sustain it. Well, that makes sense. So what you're saying is it doesn't really kind of – as long as you're tracking it and you're tracking it correctly and you know what you're doing, it doesn't really matter which um, kind of route you take because your body's going to transform what it needs into carbs. Is that kind of – I mean there's, there is some truth in that, but it, you know, it gets far more detailed than that. But what I think I'm hearing you say is – so the, the protein has to be at a certain level. I like to say it like this. Calories are king. Protein is queen. Fat and carbs just kind of live in the castle. Where they fall is less concerning. What is more concerning is that you eat in a way that you like. So if you like higher carb diet, that's what you should do. Because 
it's going to feel less like a job, which means you're going to be more consistent. And ultimately, that unrelentless consistency is what's going to bring about the final result, right? Like you were talking earlier about exercising and you finally have gotten over the honeymoon phase of it. Mm -hmm. The goal of a nutrition plan is not to make people feel like they hate it and that they got to eat steamed broccoli and rice the rest of their life. The goal is to set them up with success and teach them how to take everything that they love, eat it in the right amount to see the results that they want. Because at the end of the day, really, it's basic math and a set of numbers. <laughs> if those numbers add up and you've done the basic math right, you will see results if you've been consistent. That's an unpopular truth, and I'm sure people will hammer me with emails, but that's what science says, what <laughs> physiology says, and that's what evidence is said over and over and over and over again. Now, if a guy says, oh, I just like, you don't understand, it's just so much easier for me to follow the keto diet and eat low carb, then that's what you should do because it's easier for you. But that doesn't not mean that your neighbor who is has an easier time following a higher carb diet is wrong right? They're both the same because they both work for that person. It's highly individualized. And that's what matters is, is that consistency component of it. That's a great point. And I think that definitely brings that point home. That kind of leads into another question um, from Montana Elk, um, who messaged you. And um, often here, he says often here, um, don't eat carbs with fats to avoid fat storage. Uh, with fats to avoid fat storage, is this mostly with processed foods? And that kind of piggybacks on what you were just talking about, um, where, you know, uh, the calories are king, the protein is queen, and then the fat and the carbs, are, they're just there. Um, would you mind bringing that one home for, for Montana elk? Yeah, so it's not, not only is that complete garbage <laughs> with processed <laughs> food, um, but that, and again, like I, I know, I know him, he and I've chatted on Instagram. This isn't an ideology of, of his personally. So I'm not, I'm not calling his idea garbage. Mm -hmm. That theory, um, is aloof in a lot of nutrition circles and the people that have generated that idea in those circles, that is a garbage idea, <laughs> right? So whether you call it processed or whether you call it unprocessed food, the idea of com combining carbs and fat at a meal and that somehow throwing in you to some some kind of metabolic disarray is complete garbage. <laughs> we got to keep right? the body so for guessing, example, right? <laughs> yeah, pri primary example of this, a sweet potato high in vitamin A, one of the micronutrients, it's a vitamin. You have to have some amount of fat in the diet to absorb that vitamin A right? Otherwise, the vitamin does not get absorbed into the cell and you don't reap the benefits. Hmm. So this, this idea of saying that you can't combine the two or somehow shouldn't combine the two is preposterous, not only at a, not only on a <laughs> science level, but even at a human physiology level, it's literally set up by nature to do that. Like you, you there are some things that you got to have fat or you miss out on the key nutrient that you're trying to get. Makes sense. And, and, uh, I think you definitely answered his question without a doubt. <laughs> I almost, I, I know you say it's not his idea, but I, I feel like he was trying to go somewhere with that question and you probably shot him down. <laughs> um, so the next one would be is what tracking apps do you recommend or do you use any tracking apps? Oh, did I lose you? 
That's a good question too. Um, so number one, for a little bit, but I'm back. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. I can hear you. Okay. So number one, this is the same as isn't as big of a deal as using something, right? That's 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 what's the most important. So whether it's a Excel sheet or a spiral bound notebook doesn't matter. You've got to use whatever's the best for you. As far as the apps themselves, um, one that I like a, a lot and I typically recommend, as a matter of fact, I think 99, I think there's all but one person uh, that I work with that uses this is my fitness pal. Yeah. And you don't need to buy the, you don't need to buy it. The, the, uh, the paid version, the regular version is perfect. You don't need to, you don't need to go paying whatever it is a month to buy the other one. I like it because of two things. Number one, it's a database and a tracker. So you're not having to go pull the information and then write it somewhere else and, and do all that. Number two is it adds it all up for you, right? So it, it calculates everything and it lets you know where you sit in terms of calories, proteins, carbs, and fats. And this is really helpful if you do end up working with someone, they can go back and look at what you've been doing and be able to point you in the right direction, hopefully. Um, and I'll tell you this, when I uh, lost my weight, however many years ago it was, I used an app like this. At that time, it was called Spark People. That was the popular one. And that's the one that I used. Th that process of logging my nutrition and learning how portions and certain foods affected those numbers probably taught me more about nutrition, weight loss, and how food affects those those things than any course I took in school, just the personal experience. So for the guy who is interested in genuinely learning about this to once and for all sort of quit that yo-yo cycle of losing weight and gaining it and losing it and gaining it, I'm a huge fan of using an app because if you're willing to invest the time, it will teach you so much about nutrition. And I will plus one my fitness pal because I, uh, back when my wife and I was doing that competition with my buddies, I think she was tracker tracked a little bit for keto. Um, and then I know I was on there all the time cause you can look up menus at, you know, like a restaurant and you can see what you can order or what you should order. And, um, I loved it. I mean, it was awesome. You could look, I, I was, I just found myself looking up what a food would be out of pure curiosity. Like, Oh, I wonder what a grapefruit, you know, you know, what's the nutritional value of that. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's super enlightening. And again, you know, I think like guys hear that and they're like, man, I don't want to commit to that. You're not committing to it for the rest of your life. You're committing to it for a short period of time to see how your food choices affect whether or not you are getting towards your goals and progress with your weight or, or training or whatever. Right. We're not just talking about it being useful for weight loss. It can be super helpful for uh, from a training perspective too. Are you getting enough carbs to train for the half? Are you, you know, what what is? Are you getting enough protein to recover between, you know, long hikes or whatever? It's 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 really useful tool on all fronts. For sure, for sure. Um, for uh, working out and and stuff like that, do you dive into that area at all, or do you strictly mainly um, nutrition? Yeah, so I do dive into the the workout area. I mean, I'm certainly not as 
that's that's definitely not my wheelhouse when you compare it to i feel more comfortable obviously with nutrition so my background's in but yeah i i I do dive into the uh the workout portion and that's you know there are certain things that we'll set up with clients every week and there's always a nutrition goal there's always an activity focus goal for the week and both of those are sort of aimed at continuing someone's progress by you know manipulating volume or intensity or reps or sets or deload or whatever um so yeah certainly not quite as versed but i dabble <laughs> well i there's a there's a question on here again from next gen outdoorsman um saying you know what's what's your um at home workout uh or what can you do to work out at home for a guy wanting to start back um and yeah. i know i've i've got some workouts that i do when i'm either really sore really weak or just getting going that are low um, impact on my shoulders and they just, they're just easier. Right. And it's like somebody really trying to to get back into it. And so I'm curious to see or hear, you know, places that you would go or, or ideas that you have. And I think most of what a lot of people are thinking of when they say workout at home is probably calisthenics, right? Cause I mean, that's where you're tossing around your own body weight, right? I mean, that is, that's the definition like you're describing. I, I've seen it changed a lot, man. Like, so to go to his original question, I get the sense that maybe he's not doing anything right now and maybe doesn't have time, interest, money, whatever you go to the gym, what other options are on the table for him? So number one, I would say that we get far too caught up in the idea of perfection versus just getting started right? We're not going to start till we get this perfect whatever. And the reality is just getting started is half the battle. So um, I think that, you know, whenever the, uh, whenever COVID first hit in March, all the gyms shut down, I didn't have any workout equipment at home. I had a sandbag that I trained with for elk hunting. Uh, I had a garden hoe and I had some straps that I used for a hammock. So I laced that garden (laughs) hoe between the hammock straps for a pull-up bar I got my sandbag out and I just started creating workouts um, based on those two things, which by the way, was, you know, a total cost of all well, the sandbag, I think it's $5 at Home Depot. And then, you know, the garden hose, what, 12, maybe, I don't know. But so it, it, the, the point being, it doesn't need to cost a fortune. And I outlined those workouts in, um, there's an Instagram sticky on my, my little Instagram or whatever. There's a ton of them in there, but it's, basically just manipulating time, um, intensity, and a number of these different variables that you can adjust to keep progress going. I've also used a, a playground, right? Just running to the playground, like it's, it's a quarter mile from here, running to the playground, doing 10 push-ups, 10 pull-ups, running back home, 40 jumping jacks, doing that five times, right? That's not sexy. That's not going to make you know, the bodybuilding.com Instagram feed, but it's effective, mm-hmm. right? So whatever you do, just begin doing something and be consistent with it. So how, how big of it, like you said, like you said, start doing something. And I feel like your main goal would be just to try and achieve a calorie deficit, right? I mean, if that's working out, but also trying to get into a certain composition or just lose weight, I mean, you need to work out to where you're burning more than you're intaking, correct? I mean, that's if that's the guy's goal. I don't know if that's his goal or not, but if he's trying to get back into it, um, if I'm if I'm going to be working out, I'm sure is that going to do enough to where I'm going to notice a difference, uh, or at least go into a deficit. 
and that's just my mindset. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna go work out, I feel like I need to get a deficit, or I'm I'm just not gonna get yeah. closer to my goal. Which so I would say, not. I would say a person would be far better off creating the deficit with nutrition than trying to out exercise a deficit, right? That's just easier to manipulate and far more effective to do. Now, you could use a combination of the two, right? Like, let's say you were trying to create a 500 calorie deficit below what your baseline was. You could do 250 calories worth of workouts to expend that much and then reduce the intake by 250. But likewise, I think the, the sort of the heart of your question is, is how much does the guy got to do? You could do nothing. Right, you could you could just reduce the calorie intake by five hundred, and you start seeing weight loss doing no more exercise. So that's not taking into the account that exercise is just generally healthy from all standpoints, mm-hmm. and that's not going to dramatically change your body composition because again, prerequisites for that is not just a high protein intake but resistance training. So if you don't have a combination of the both nothing's going to happen. If you just eat a bunch of protein, but you don't work out, there's not a muscle in your body that's going to grow. Likewise, if you work out, but you don't have much protein intake, you're going to struggle to put on any muscle. Right. So it certainly is a combination of the two. And I think that there is a minimum effective dose. And likewise, like I said earlier, you definitely don't need to go out and just badger yourself into the ground to create a deficit or to see any change. In fact, I would argue that, um, you probably don't need as much as you think to begin seeing some body composition changes if you were to begin exercising. Well, I know that I haven't probably been hitting a deficit very often and I've been noticing changes, but I've also been killing myself at the gym every once in a while, you know, like been at the gym, you know, I spent about 30 minutes on the treadmill or 40 minutes on the treadmill and then, you know, 30 minutes downstairs, 40 minutes downstairs. Um, And my goal is to, is just just try and burn as much on the treadmill as I can, like keeping my heart rate around 160, um, and then just doing that for a long time. And just I feel like if I know it's just there's no science behind this probably, but um, like if I if I completely saturate my shirt and sweat, I had a good workout. Like that's to me, I can see I can see what I did here. I can see the result. I my like my sweatshirt. It looks like I just jumped in a in a lake, right? And to me that that is a successful workout. I know that probably isn't realistic or anything, but um, at what point, you know, does a guy? Because honestly, weights are like two bucks a, a pound right now. For for if you're buying weight, it's really through the roof because of COVID. I think the, the price just skyrocketed. Um, yeah. At what point is a guy better off to start if he's wanting to gain muscle? Start going and investing into in, into a gym membership, or start investing into some weights. Does it depend on your goal? Yes, absolutely. Right. So you could begin to build muscle by simply doing body weight squats, dips on a chair, push ups, and um, um, you made another reference earlier, but you could begin to build muscle just doing that. Now, eventually, you're going to hit a plateau, those things are going to become easy. So you're either going to have to increase the volume by doing more push-ups, more body weight squats, more dips, et cetera, to continue to push that and continue to grow. Or you're going to have to add in some weights to those exercises or change the exercise or whatever. So I, I think, again, at 
that point, a guy might benefit from going to the gym, but that guy also might benefit from getting in his car and going to Home Depot and picking up a sandbag and, you know, changing it up in that fashion. And it doesn't necessarily need to be within the confines of a gym. Now, yeah, the gym has stuff like a barbell. The gyms has stuff like a dumbbell where you can do more specific workouts like um, like bicep curls or bench press or whatever. But you have to also ask, you know, this 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 proverbial guy what his goal is. If it's to do better elk hunting, are bigger biceps going to help you elk hunting? Hmm, probably not, <laughs> right? You could you would be far better uh, spent. You know, your time would be far better spent doing something like I had mentioned earlier by keeping your heart rate up and doing different rounds of things, going on weighted hikes, uh, taking right. that sandbag, throwing it over one shoulder and doing body weight squats for, you know, one week aim for five sets of five each side. The next week, five sets of six each side. The next week, five sets of seven each five uh, each side. It doesn't, it can be as basic or complex as a guy wants to get, right? So a lot of it depends on what the person's goals are, how specific or how general those goals are, what do they have available, um, and those type of things. But you would be pretty amazed at, Number one, how quick you can begin to put on muscle. And number two, how little equipment you can do it with. Well, and, and I'd like to point out, you know, P90X, I'm, I'm sure all these things are available on YouTube. And everybody has a phone. Everybody has a TV. You can stream anything really on right onto your smart TV. You could go on there, and there's lots of great workout channels on there. I, I like the dude, um, Athlean X or whatever his name is. He's like some shredded yeah. dude on YouTube, and he... He has a lot of shoulder repair workouts and stuff, and I I've tried a yeah. few of them, and because my shoulders are bad, and and um you know I just he seems like he knows what he's talking about, so I I ever if I have a question is like what workout should I typically he'll have a video for it. So, uh, but there's a lot of things that guys can go online and just stream or watch, and they'll get their butts kicked if that's what your goal is is to get your butt kicked. And everybody has a hunting pack that probably listens to this podcast. Doesn't matter what you fill it with as long as it weighs pounds. And you go, like you yep. said, I think literally, well, back when we trained uh, for firefighting, I fought fire, wildland firefighting for oh, three years. Um, we had to um, do runs out at this training uh, grounds. It was a few acres, oh, probably 10 acres. Um, we'd have to run a mile, but we'd have to do it in boots and we'd have to do it in Nomex and all that stuff. And you have to do that almost every day. And you had to run in boots. You couldn't do it in training shoes because that's what you were going to be wearing, right? I mean, it doing the the thing that you're going to be doing and and actually doing that often i think is so undervalued um and so underappreciated putting a pack on with 30 pounds and then hiking your butt up the steepest hill in your town or the steepest street you got or whatever it may be i think is probably one yeah. of the best things you can do and you can't you could probably do that at the gym at, on a stair stepper but you're going to get some funny yeah. looks so yeah no, I, I mean, to your, to your point, when, when COVID hit and everything shut down, I built a, I had some spare two by fours laying around and a, a wooden platform. I built like a 16 or a 20 inch box, mm -hmm. put, you know, 40 pounds or put a sandbag in a pack and start doing some step ups on air. And I guarantee you, you'll be ready for elk season. Yeah. Right. And that, that's, again, that's the cost of maybe scrap material around the garage or, you know, 10, 15 bucks and two by fours at home Depot, a 10 pound sandbag. And you're on your way, do that three times a week. That's a workout. Right. That it doesn't need to be some sort of a super complex type of a thing. And to your point earlier, there are a ton of great programs out there 
who offer free, no gym, uh, uh, free, no, um, darn it. What do they call them? Um, no gym equipment workouts at home, right? So it's, it's workouts built around the fact that you don't have anything there, but we'll still give you some ideas in terms of, um, how to grow some muscle. And I think that those things are helpful in twofold. That's one of them. The other is you can see how they develop the program. What did week two look different than week one, right? What did they add? Did they add more reps? Oh, that must mean they're, they're wanting to do more volume. Week three went up in this fashion. You can see how programming is developed from true experts in their field. And that again, I mean, that's just like another tool in your arsenal for whatever it is that you're aiming to do, whether it's hunting or man, just life. We got a two-year-old little boy. And sometimes I feel like <laughs> anything I do for fitness is pretty much just keeping up with him anymore. <laughs> Nothing to do with, right. with hunting or anything else. It's just trying to survive and play with him. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, like you said, you built a box, a step-up box, you know, that could be a cooler, you know, a, 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 a nice cooler, not one of those flimsy uh, cheap ones. But if you had like a, you know, a, a nice Yeti or a Grizzly or whatever it may be, an Arctic, you could do step-ups on that. And those things are probably 15 inches tall. I mean, those are pretty tall and, and yeah. they're sturdy and every, you know, not everybody has stairs, but I, we have stairs. And back when I started doing push-ups I wanted to do a lot of push-ups um so I started doing push-ups you know maybe three steps up and that makes it way easier right and then if I'm starting yeah. to do too many I'll go down a step that makes it harder down a step and then to where you're, you're eventually doing them on flat ground which is obviously the hardest way to do them so I mean that to me that that's the easiest way to get into doing push-ups um it's just you gotta kind of have to put your creative cap on I think if you're doing it at home and um it's really not that. I think people make it way overcomplicated. I think my favorite workout is literally putting a pack on or my weighted vest and then just going for a run or a walk. I mean, that literally, that's probably one of my favorite yeah. workouts. It doesn't cost anything. Yeah, I think – I don't know how many are on there, um, but there's there's a – like I said, a sticky at the bottom of the Instagram – of my Instagram thing or whatever that's – laid out just i just did it in my garage i would post it every morning so i just put them on a sticky for other guys to use but they're there if anybody wants to use them you don't have to follow me or anything like that this isn't a ploy just go <laughs> check them out and see if they're interesting or helpful to you and if they are then great well uh before we wrap this thing up kyle i've got, I've got um one um question confession to ask you this is where i i told you <laughs> when i run something by that you're probably not going to approve of um so my wife's doing keto again and um, my head is shortcut, right? Uh, so I'm seeing, I'm thinking that I know where I should be just natural state if I'm being eating healthy and working out. So, and I'm trying to justify this already. I can see it. Um, if I went keto for like two weeks, right? And I just lost, you know, or a month and I just cut a lot of that fat out, kind of like taking the shortcut route. And then I went off keto and then just kept staying active and stuff. Is that smart or is that stupid? Because I don't feel like I'm going to put that fat back on, knowing my body and what it should be doing. But what's your what's your thought process on that? Because I feel like it is a shortcut, but I I don't know. I feel like it won't work. Well, I, I mean, I, <laughs> if that somehow is easier to do it, I don't know that I would call it a shortcut. But again, you're just creating a deficit i i think the i think the maybe the question i would throw back at you would be 
what's the difference between doing that and fitting all the stuff that you love within the confines of a certain calorie range because the results would be the same. Second to that, it could be a little bit of a shortcut because you will see loss in the beginning. But again, a lot of that loss is that your body has now used those carbohydrate stores, glycogen stores from the liver and in the muscle. It's used all the water that was there. So yeah, you'll see eight, 10 pounds come up, but I don't care about weight loss. I care about fat loss. Right. So what's more is whenever you do go back to whatever the normal regimen is that you're wanting to get on, that weight will come back simply because those carbohydrate stores will go back up. The water that follows them will go back up and it will show up on the scale. And, you know, it, assuming you're not still in a deficit, you will put on additional weight too. So I don't know that it's right or wrong or, or a shortcut or not a shortcut. It's, you know, if that's your chosen <laughs> method to achieve it, then you certainly could. In my mind, it's, you know, I, I guess sort of a bandaid for the bigger issue, but yeah, I'm thinking that I could burn fat much faster than, than doing what I'm doing. But to your point, I could probably burn it much faster if I was doing it with a regular carb or with a regular calorie deficit eating what I'm currently yeah. eating. But you made it, you given me permission to call you out. So I'll take it. No, go ahead. Here. Go ahead. You said earlier, you said, I've not really been in a deficit much. You've lost two to three pounds in the past month or whatever it was that you said at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. You said, I've not really been in one too much. So my suggestion back to you is what if you assured a, a true deficit, you did the work of tracking your nutrition for a month right. and saw what it would do. Right. Because fat loss, again, when you look at metabolism on paper, it's got a bunch of arrows on it. And above all of those arrows are the fats, the carbs, the proteins. Right. And if you look at those at the end of the day, those arrows point in all different directions and they suggest one thing. If you're not eating it, we're going to create it. And if there's not a deficit, the fat won't come down. It doesn't have the approach keto, non keto, cookie a day diet, and weight watcher doesn't matter. Right. So if you happen to lose weight following a certain method, it's because the deficit was there, not because the method is magic. Right. Mm. I think a lot of people need to understand that because I've always heard, and I mentioned this on the first podcast, like why do some diets work for other people and then other diets don't work for other people? And they say, well, Atkins worked for me. And then I was like, oh, well, paleo worked for me. And it's all because they made that diet work because the carb deficit or the, the deficit was there. And I just, it just always, I've always found that to be interesting. I mean, human body is typically a human body. We're all the same machine and it doesn't make sense why certain diets would work on other people when others wouldn't work on some. Yeah. And again, if someone says, look, keto is just, you know, low carbohydrate diet, high fat diet is easy for me to stick to. It's just so much easier. I feel so much better Then go for it by all means, go for it. But the idea, the premise there, and the heart of what I think you're asking is that because you eliminate carbs, you go into fat burning mode. Exactly. And so the ketogenic diet is designed to, it, it can give you fuel without carbohydrate by operating on ketones. Just because it can doesn't mean it's the only way. 
the fat burning happens with a calorie deficit. The calories literally aren't there. So the body begins to metabolize fat, even if carbs are present to use as some kind of a fuel. If this is the same reason why someone following a low carbohydrate diet eventually plateaus, it's because their calories have now been met, right? So unless you're going to, you know, it's not like you start this, this low carbohydrate diet and for perpetuity, you just lose weight until you hit the max magic number you want to hit what typically happens is people will lose 60 70 80 pounds they'll plateau they won't be able to lose anymore and they don't know how to keep going right well you'd have to create the deficit your body has adapted to the deficit and now you've got to do something about it you've got to apply a new stimulus and it's the, it's the same whether carbs are present or are not present so right I, so i mean yeah. there's i have go ahead I say I, you hit the nail on the head. I'm trying to figure out the, the the quickest way to get rid of my belly and my fat, right? Like I'm trying to figure out my K. Would it be quicker for me just to do keto for like a month? Would that burn fat quicker? Or would it be quicker for me to actually do a carb deficit? Or a, is a carb deficit or calorie deficit? I keep getting that mixed up. Calorie. Calorie. Would it be quicker for me to do the calorie deficit or the keto? Um which is, I, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get more results quicker. The fastest, the fastest way for you to do it is to be consistent, right? Just be in a deficit, no matter the method and be consistent. That is the truth of everyone, right? That's not just Gary Weaver. That's everyone. Right. You've got to pick a route, stick with it, be consistent, even on the weekends, even on pizza night, even on the holiday, you got to be consistent, right? I, I wish that the, I wish the body recognized emotions and didn't, you know, apply the calories that we eat whenever we're emotional, right? Well, I've got an anniversary. The body doesn't care. If you <laughs> binge on the anniversary, right. it just recognizes calories, period. Uh, you know, I've got, I have, I have guys that are eating 250 grams of carbs, losing weight. I have people that are eating 125 grams of carbs that are losing weight. Right. So the, the, the difference between those two is they are both in their own personal deficit. I've seen people eating 20 grams of carbs per day, losing weight because they're in a deficit. Right. So the method does matter. Manipulation of those macros don't matter quite as much. The foundation is the deficit. If that's not there, nothing else matters. And last question to finish this off, I promise, Kyle, is uh, how do you know if you are in a deficit? Like, how do you get your your um, output, like your calorie output baseline? Like, doing what I'm doing every day, going to the mm -hmm. gym. How do I know how much I'm burning? Or, you know, so how do you know how do you know how, how much to intake? the be the better the better the better route to that would be figuring out how many calories you personally need in a day and then figuring out how to create a deficit on that right so if you looked up if you knew your age you knew your weight you knew your height you knew your activity level and you plug that into calculators that we've got both on the performance nutrition side of things as well as the medical side of things those are probably available online and you figure out how many calories you need to continue weighing your current weight reduce that subtract that by any random number Per calories, 300, 400, 500, whatever. Don't create too big of a deficit because you'll plateau early. Mm. But let's just say 500. Then you've got to be sure that you're really getting in 
what your deficit is. You can't eyeball stuff. And this is where the specificity versus the generalities come into play. You can get by with eyeballing it, but if the needle's not moving, it's because you're not in a deficit, hmm. right? So if you begin, you know, using the different tools to measure your food, track your food, again, doesn't got to be for eternity, but for a period of time, that's the best way to ensure that you are actually in a deficit versus just thinking you are. Because like you, like you noted earlier, there's a big old difference between what we think is a cup of honey bunches of oats and what's really a honey bunches, uh, a cup of honey bunches <laughs> of oats, right? Most yeah. of us, and there, we've, we've studied this and this was even, this was shocking even to people in the, the dietetics world. We studied a group of people who we had estimate their calorie intake compared to what it actually was average by 1400 calories they were off by what they <laughs> actually had most of them were under <laughs> right so you think no over oh really you think that you're eating 2000 but in that example you're at 3400 yeah yeah so in your mind yeah. you're playing this game of well i'm trying so hard i'm doing all things i'm doing you know all these things but in reality the body says no you're not you're still at 3,400 calories, which is why nothing's moving in spite of you feeling like it should be. That makes a lot of sense. And and I noticed that, um, and, and for me, something that I've struggled with is like, so if I do a leg workout and I'll superset legs for 45 minutes doing different workouts, but then I become so freaking hungry afterwards maybe the next morning or the next day it's like how do i stay in a carb or a calorie deficit when your body is like dude eat like and it just, that just seems like a really really hard challenge and i know it probably self-control but i mean the the having the hunger cravings following a, a lower body workout are serious like really strong yeah so number one the deficit could be too big Right. There's a there's a big, big difference between the effective deficit. So like the goal is to give you as much food as possible while still seeing the needle move. So it's possible that the deficit's too big. It could be a timing issue. It could be a strategy issue, meaning there's way too much time in between meals. So you're allowing yourself to get too hungry in between mm -hmm. meals or the composition of what you're eating isn't good. Right. Like so if you're eating foods that don't have fiber, if you're eating foods that are lower in protein, if you're eating fast digesting carbohydrates, those aren't going to sit with you very long. And it will leave you feeling hungry over the course of the day as opposed to everything else that I just mentioned. So there's a lot of variables there that could be a play affecting that, but there are certainly ways around it, right? Like there is, and, and two, like, I think this is a, I think this is a great point to a great thing to point out. I think we touched on this last time when you said you wanted to be a certain percent body fat. Yeah. If you've got a goal in mind that you want to be shredded at 8% body fat, you have to understand what it's going to take to get there. And that means a really low calorie intake and a lot of mental suffering at that low calorie intake <laughs> to get that shredded six pack. Right. right. And, and you have to weigh, is that cost worth having a six pack that probably nobody cares about, but you, right. <laughs> right. So there, there is certainly a role or there is certainly a piece of the puzzle here um, where, yeah, it's, it's as much of a mental thing as it is a behavior thing. 
whenever you start to get into a really low calorie uh, intake to, to achieve a certain body fat percentage, a lot of the guys that you see that are shredded, they do not live there. They get there for some reason, right? A shoot or vacation or whatever, but they don't live there year round. Their calorie intake is typically much higher and they live at a higher fat body fat percentage. That makes a lot of sense. And so um, we might have to do um, a, 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 like a month or two check-in just to, because um, I'm sure in a month or two, I'll have more questions for you that other people will be able to uh, use as well. But you've given me a lot to to use and digest. And, and um, I think I think that if I can get the, the deficit figured out, um, the work ethics there, it's it's the work in the, in, in the kitchen that needs uh, improvement. Yeah. And for you, it may be easier to do keto, right? Your wife's doing it. She's, you know, preparing a lot of the food that might be easier for you to stick to right now. And in that case, that would absolutely be a good solution for you to do. If it's easier for you to stick to easier to be consistent on. Yeah. Um, again, it, it's really a matter of building personal strategies for you that just make this seem like less of a chore than it has in the past for a lot of people. Well, in the past, I've always just, you know, if I eat this, I'll work out an extra 20 minutes, you know, like I'll just work it out. You know, I, I've always been that guy, but as my as I get older, my, ta my metabolism slows, uh, it ain't working very good. So I got to change my strategy here, but um, I appreciate it, Kyle. Can you give everybody uh, again some some places for them to go visit you or message you or get a hold of you? Yeah, sure. So um, everything is tied to V V two P nutrition, and the uh, the two there is the number. So it's V number two uh, nutrition dot com. It's what it is on Instagram. I think there's a there's a Facebook as well. And yeah, I'd, I'd be more than happy to converse with anybody or answer questions, whatever. Happy to help. Well, I, I appreciate it, and I know that you've um, you've given me now a couple hours of your time, and, and I know it's extremely valuable. So thank you very much, and I really hope that some people reach out to you because it, it's just – it's simple, but at the same time, there's it's so dynamic. You really do need somebody like you to be able to yeah. help weed your way through all the BS that's out there, number one, but what's best for you. And, and, and your message – one thing I really like about your message is that it's consistency – and it's 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 process or outcome oriented, not process. It's it's, it's process oriented too. But where do you want to be, and how do we get you there? And is the juice worth the squeeze? And I just I really love you know that mindset. And yeah. since I podcasted with you the first time, where I said I want to be twelve percent, and you're like, well, that's really gonna suck, you know, to get you know you're gonna have to that's gonna suck. And I'm like, well, maybe it's not worth it. <laughs> so I'm just um, I'm. Figuring out my goal as I go, and, and I, I'm noticing improvements, and, and a lot of it is um, uh, taking consideration what you taught me. So I really do appreciate it. Well, it's it's my pleasure, man. And, and to your point, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to work with a lot of people between Valley to Peak and the hospital, and this is 90% mental game. If it was behavior based alone everyone would be successful, but it's getting our mind to sort of follow suit with what we want. Um, and, and that can be the real challenge. So, yeah, you know, I've, 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 uh, I'm certainly, um, 
uh, tr try to be sensitive to that. When I talk to people having had experienced it myself and quite frankly, even 10, 12 years on this side of having had lost the weight that I had lost, it's stuff that still pops up. But all those lessons I learned that a lot of people are just learning now play so much of a role in making the right choice and keeping it off as much as taking it off, right? So you're developing um, a lot of things that are going to serve you well, not just getting it off, but keeping it off, which is ultimately what we all want, right? Nobody's interested in losing 30 pounds to put 45 of it back on next right. Christmas. Right. So that's why, that's why, yeah, I'm just, I'm such a proponent of consistency and I'm such a proponent of people being on something they enjoy rather than being forced into something simply because they've been told that it works. Anything's going to work. You just got to be consistent. And there's a few not go. Awesome. Well, hey, I appreciate it. And um, yeah, I imagine I imagine here in the next few months or a month or two, we'll definitely, uh, I'll reach back out to you and uh, hopefully have uh, some good stories and, and results to show you. Appreciate it, man. I'd love to chat more. So, all right. Well, you have a good one, brother. And I appreciate your time. My pleasure. You too. We'll talk to you later. All right, everybody. That's this episode of the podcast. Thanks for checking this episode out be sure to go visit kyle at v2p nutrition uh his name is kyle camp and his instagram is v2p nutrition and be sure to ask him questions if you want sign up for his uh for his plan for his help may i imagine having your own dietitian uh, at your hands anytime you need him you know available and and willing to answer questions willing to help you guide for your specific goals and helping you get there and having basically somebody that tells you this is what exactly what you need to do here's exactly how you do it it just seems really valuable if you're really serious about hitting your goals check out kyle uh, vtp nutrition if you haven't yet again i'm going to remind you leave a review super valuable whatever platform preferably itunes but uh for, for you droid users you can do it on whatever platform you want um i'm not sure how you guys even listen to podcasts probably podbean or something like that but appreciate everybody for listening and again if you haven't yet and you want to completely voluntary uh there is a group of guys that are patrons and you can become one yourself at www.patreon.com slash on point podcast and any amount helps and this is going towards equipment recording equipment lenses cameras tripods um i seem to go through that stuff lighting equipment all just helping be, uh, create better content higher quality content for you to absorb and use at your will so appreciate you guys for listening and i will see you on the next one bye